Chapter 7 The Legend In the 80s, for many months a year, I continued to immerse myself in this Ojai life of service, service to a life I was seeking, one I felt I, if not our world, needed. Yet as said, it was clear I was not to settle there. So when not at Ojai, I was following a call, an invitation made by Linda Tillington Jones and Jim Hickman to become a part of citizen diplomacy, heart-to-heart exchanges between the U.S. and USSR. I remember working hard to get a visa for five Soviets dedicated in their life's work to healing. I was able to convince my partner Jim, head of the project, that Ojai was a place to bring them. We wanted them, of course, to experience the old USA and wanted them to visit Turtle Island, at least the one we were working to keep the best of what was originally here alive, the one we were dreaming, attempting to birth anew. I wanted to share a place where the intention, at least, was to hear the voice of all beings with respect for all life, earth, water, fire, air, plants, animals, cultures, class, genders, race, where wisdom, health, peace could be found in the circle. We wanted to share a place with them where restoring relations, caring for relations came first. Heart-to-heart exchange. A crazy idealistic dream for most, often criticized, judged, or laughed at even. Yet for many, an inspiration, a sanctuary of sanity, a needed revolution, an alternative to the systems, a watering hole for a future. Throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I became aware and connected to indigenous peoples, to people of the global majority, to those considered often other by the dominant white population whether because of class, gender, or race. I found other watering holes, sanctuaries, centers, gatherings that had somehow heard the call, if not through their ancestors, then directly from the earth herself. I could readily see the roots of council in many of the political movements, the women's movements, the permaculture revival, the Quakers, I found those uncovering the import of nature as teacher, source, water, life, too often buried within the traditional religions from Christianity to Judaism. The war against pagans as well as women, the discarding of midwives from our human body as well as the earth body was starting to catch people's attention. As the power and money in hands of a few took greater and greater control. Another experience of power was deeply needed, asked for, prayed for, opened to. I can only share a very tiny lens from my small corner of the planet, and this is what I saw, the old teepee teaching. As the fire, the light gets bigger and brighter, the shadow gets larger. And as the shadow gets larger, I felt the light 
gets brighter as well. When not at Ojai, I was spending time with supporting and learning from these other peoples and places. Stephen Foster and Meredith Little were now offering a rites of passage training in Paiuhunadu, Paiuchishoni land, known by many as the Owens Valley, home of the earliest water wars in this country. There were other white people in British Columbia at Hollyhock, people at the Findhorn Foundation in Scotland, who had been up to living by guidance, nature, and the magic therein for 50 years. Not 10,000, but still, 50 years was something. There were many others rising up, the global majority, people of culture and color whose knowing and living peaceful earth-connected ways had been repressed but never forgotten. There were the more well-known Medellas and the Malcolm X's, the Haudenosaunee and the Hopi, and so many more unknown and unsung leaders. I continually found and find their songs, visions, and commitment coming through the struggle, the anger, and pain that was even stronger and filled with great love, a teaching in and of itself to receive. Then there was the Windstar Foundation in Colorado, founded by John Denver to be an environmental learning hub, a sanctuary for visionaries at that time, like Bucky Fuller and Amory Lovins. An inspiration to create that place had come to him and his sidekick, Aikido master Tom Crum, after their first encounter with a whale off the coast of Hawaii. When they returned home to Snowmass, Colorado, they found land for sale. Land with boundaries that outlined the shape of a whale. They had to purchase it and create the Windstar Foundation. At least that is how the story, or perhaps the legend, goes. It was the legend. The legend of the Golden Dolphin that gave the kick to continue how I was living. Unexplainable to many, certainly to my parents, undefinable to my peers. I was listening to the whales and to the water. I was called to somehow be guided by the dolphin. I was committed to living a life I could not plan, but could only discover day to day. Linda Tillington Jones came back into my life. You may remember I had met briefly at Esalen. Yep, I had met her in a hot tub, in the water. We knew then that we had pieces of a puzzle for each other, and somehow, despite our very professional personas and careers to date, we were both riding a magical mystery wave. She contacted me from Australia, a land I had dreamed I would move to after college. That Western calling had been there way back then, until I found out things were way worse off there for women and aboriginals in all the ways that mattered most to me. So now she called me to say she had heard a legend, a story that she knew I had to hear. 
She was in Monkey Maya, a beach in Western Australia, where the wild dolphins came to shore and simply hung out, where people threw them some fish daily, and yet still were unsure why it was they came. Was it only for the food? Peter Shenstone was there with a gaggle of people all on a pilgrimage across the country, singing, painting, living their dreams of community. He was their Pied Piper of sorts, having birthed this legend over the days his second daughter was being born. Something, he said, simply came through him, there again in that automatic writing way. There is no way I can begin here to share with you the beauty, the magic, the medicine, and the gift of that story. It took Peter days to share, four hours maybe for simply a taste. He spoke spontaneously, heartfully, referring throughout to a large trunk of books that he had created, three feet by two feet drawings, diagrams, overlays. What I can do is just share a bit of how the story time affected us all and confirm so much of my journey to date. I listened to Linda. I heard her say clearly that we needed to bring Peter and the legend to Los Angeles. I hung up and began the purchase of a ticket. We then brought about 20 people together in Santa Monica for the first sharing. Peter arrived in his white clothes and beard, looking a bit like a guru to me out of the 60s. Needless to say, I was suspicious and confident simultaneously that this was the right place for me to be. As soon as he opened that large silver trunk, I had a rush of energy go through me, not dissimilar to my experience when swimming with Rosie the dolphin. As innocent as I was about energy, kundalini, or anything too far outside of my nature experience, I had to associate it immediately with dolphin. It, the energy, was so extreme that I had to get up and leave the room. In the bathroom nearby, I remember pouring water over my hands and face, making sounds as quietly as possible, sounds that absolutely had to come through. Going with it all, I found my being relaxed, and I was shortly able to return to the story. As Peter continued to share both ancient stories of dolphin and Greece, symbol of its presence in the oceans, and legends world round, I felt relief, if not some deep confirmation, a knowing that my story and experience again was simply, essentially, part of a much bigger one. As just one tidbit, the Dogen tribe in Africa had known of the star Sirius B long before a telescope. Sirius, Aristotle claimed, was where the dolphins came from and where they returned to on July 23rd. 
July 23rd was Peter's birthday and the day our planet is closest to that star. So many stories unfolded around the consciousness that dolphins embodied and catalyzed, the saving of so many people at sea, the guiding of ships to safety despite the hunting and harm caused by humans, cetaceans, largest brained animals on the planet, here for eons, seem to be the great heart keepers. Activating our great joy and love by their presence, their energy, their communication on levels I've found far more available than English. Oceania was the place, the home for us to remember. We were a water planet, and with that, must know there were ways of living and being beyond boundaries, beyond territories, private property, control, and ownership, too often leading to war. Here in the legend, in the water, with the dolphin, the seeds of the feminine, the goddess, the matriarchal cultures of peace were invoked, witnessed, and for some even experienced or remembered for the first time. People in the room were crying and engaged in such an open, sincere, and curious way. I had to be at home. And as Peter wove this tale, this magical mystery tour of a past, present, and future, he simply offered the possibility of this truth. The legend, later to be called the best modern myth of our times, it was a gift, a space fable we could choose to believe, to be part of, or not. As the four-hour share came to a close, I found myself longing for it all to continue. It had felt like only minutes of being together, and I knew I wanted and needed more time with it all. There were people and places in the story that I knew, and with them that knowing came again that I had something here more to do. With them, with Peter, with the legend, with the dolphin. I stayed that night as a guest in this Santa Monica house with Linda, Peter, and a small entourage of people already part of the journey. They had all planned to go on to Colorado and meet with John Denver, who, as mentioned along with others, had life-changing experiences with whales and dolphins. After all, the legend was a living legend, and the contact between species was part of honoring very ancient stories while creating a new story for our times. Waking at dawn, I dared to bring another picture of next steps that had come up in the night's dream. I found Peter meditating and I quietly joined him. Upon connecting, I invited him to land first on this land before going to Colorado, to truly land on this turtle island and take more time. There was much I had to share with him as I felt deeply his message and was prepared to be one of his guides to the people and places that he had been guided to visit. As said, I knew many of them, 
as I had been on the trail here for some time, and even more importantly, I wanted him to visit Ojai, the Foundation's land. That was Shumash land, the Dolphin tribe. The Rainbow Bridge story was alive and well. Ojai was a place of an important old and new story. In some mysterious way, I was still looking to understand. Peter agreed. The others went on to Colorado to prepare for the visit there, and Peter and I drove to Ojai in an old, newly bought the day before, mini-camper bus, just big enough for the legend and us. <laughs>